Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you tonight. Greetings to all of you in Jesus' name. The calling of a leader in the church obviously is very important work. And uh, it's not something that anybody takes lightly, especially those who may feel as though maybe they are eligible and possibly good possibilities. Um, I'm sure there's been a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, and hopefully a lot of surrender to the Lord, because that is a must. For anybody who's going to be serving the Lord is to be surrendered to God and his will and direction for one's life. Now, if we were to uh, go through all of the qualifications for a minister in one sermon, it would be a very, very long sermon. So I was sitting in my yard glider on Sunday afternoon, and I was saying, Lord, what would you like me to share on Wednesday evening? And so the Lord gave me three words. And that's very convenient because three is enough that you can remember it, right? Most, sermon, most good sermons have three points. So we're going to have three points here tonight. And I want to, before we get into that, I want to say that uh, you've already heard a qualification message, and maybe you've heard several in the past, and you're going to hear another one this evening, and it is possible that anyone who would consider themselves eligible to be a leader in the church would feel as though there is no chance that I would be qualified. And let me tell you something, that after being in the ministry for many years, most leaders would, stay, would still say, I'm not qualified, okay? Um, there, are, there are areas of growth, there's areas of improvement, there are areas of failure, even as we go along. And so the amazing thing is this, that God takes imperfect people and he uses them to build his kingdom. And that, that guarantees that the glory does not go to us. The glory does not go to men because we're imperfect. And we have our weaknesses, we have our failures. But because God takes men and uses them, as imperfect as they are, that means God gets all the glory, okay? <laughs> and so tonight, if you feel like you're not qualified, then you have a great opportunity to bring much glory and honor to God as he uses you in the work of his kingdom, okay? All the glory goes to Jesus. Three words. The first one tonight is example, and obviously this is a very important aspect of being called into leadership and you can turn to this scripture a while if you wish. You probably know it by heart. First uh, Timothy 4.12. You're probably thinking that Brother Ted was not very creative in choosing scripture for his qualification message tonight. But very important aspect of leadership is that of example. Uh, he says here, this is First Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And so he's saying here 
And these are the words of the Apostle Paul to a younger leader. He says, being young is okay. If you're here this evening and you say, I am young, I'll tell you what, God calls young men to leadership. Uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how it would work out here at Myerstown, uh, how, many, how old the leaders were when they were ordained, but often men that are in their 20s are ordained. Sometimes they're in their 30s. I've even heard of people that were ordained in their teens, a very young age, started preaching. Um, and so, let no man despise thy youth. Young, being young is okay. Many are called when young. The only thing essentially lacking in the young, if you'd say there's one thing they lack, what would it be? Well, they would lack experience. <laughs> because life is full of many experiences, and experience is a really good teacher. That is, if we're able to learn from our experience. But experience is a very good teacher. We learn wisdom as, as the years pile on our lives. And uh, so that's the only thing they really, they really lack. They possess the same Bible. They have the same Word of God available to them. And they are filled with the same Holy Spirit. So that a young man, even though he has little experience in life, if he is dedicated to the Word of God and he is filled with the Spirit of God, he can be a mighty man of God in the leadership of the church. And so, young is not a problem as long as we focus on the Word of God and are filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says here to Timothy, be an example. And the brother who is called must be an example. Now, an example does not require perfection. You know, there's, there, are, there are experiences that each person, that's unique to each person, okay? Each person has a different path to walk in life. And some of the things that I've experienced in my life, some of you probably would say, I have no idea what that's like. Many of the experiences that you have in life, I would look at you and say, I have no idea what that's like. But God is able to take whatever those experiences are, and He is able to turn them in a way that they're useful in the building of the kingdom of God and in the leading of the church. And so, an example does not require perfection, but it does require right living, and it does require a right response when, and I want you to understand what I'm saying, when there is wrong living, okay? Because your leaders will, unless they're different than other leaders I know, I, I don't think they are, they're not perfect. We make mistakes. And so what is our response to the mistakes we make? What is the response to the weaknesses that we possess? Um, that is also a very important part of being an example. How do we respond to the wrong things? How do we respond when I do the wrong thing? How do I respond when I exhibit my weakness? And so it's important that we have a right response to that, um, that we be open to growth. 
and change if need be. So what qualifies a man to lead is his willingness to be challenged. Did you hear me? His willingness to be challenged, his willingness to be corrected, and his willingness to be directed. There are many church leaders that are above correction. They're above advice. They're above criticism. And so what happens is if something comes up that somebody doesn't appreciate or they think there's an area that should be approved, there is, there is a very bad response to that on the part of the leader. A leader needs to be a person who is willing to change, willing to grow, willing to be corrected. And he needs to face that with humility. Ultimately, he loves and appreciates those who invest in his improvement. I'm going to share a verse with you. I don't know if you know this is in the book of Proverbs or not. But if you're a Bible reader, you ought to know it. But here it says, it's Proverbs 9.8. It says, reprove not a scorner. And you know what the scorner is going to do if you reprove him? What's he going to do? Do you know? He's going to hate you. It says, reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. So you you reprove someone and all you get from them is anger and resentment and frustration. What kind of a person is that? The Bible tells you that he's a scorner. And it goes on to say here, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Now I want to ask you this evening, actually this is a qualification message, so I shouldn't preach to the congregation so much, but what is our response when somebody corrects us? Do we love the person who corrects us? Do we appreciate that? Do we embrace that person? Or do we resent that person and push them away? I'm telling you tonight that a wise person will love and appreciate those who reprove them. And you should notice that in your life. You should notice the people who have corrected you that you love those people. And I can honestly, from the bottom of my heart this evening, I can tell you, I could name people for you tonight. I could name people for you that corrected me that took me aside and said, Brother Ted, you're good, but you could be better. And they gave me some constructive criticism. And you know what? I I appreciate those people. I love those people. They have been a great enhancement to my life. And so, what does that require, though? It requires a humble spirit. It requires a surrender, that I am willing to grow and I'm willing to improve. And so, our brother that is called to be in leadership here needs to be a person who is open to correction, open to reproof, open to improvement. And so think about that as we think about a qualification this evening for a minister. Now everyone has a public face. Right now I have a public face. And I don't know what you think about it, and it doesn't really matter what you think about it. Okay? 
But earlier, only uh, about two hours ago, I did not, I was not like this. I had on my work clothes, and I was all sweaty, and I was covered with sawdust and wood chips because we were working on a tree today for my daughter here in Myerstown, believe it or not. And uh, it was a total mess. If I'd have walked in here like that, you'd have said, you go get yourself straightened out before you, before you stand up to preach, brother. Okay? But everybody has a public face, and that is the way we want others to perceive us. We want to look good. We want to be admired. We want people to think we're okay. That's our public face. And the question is, is the public face the same as the private face? It's not so hard to put on a good face. There are many who are able to say the right things. They're able to do the right things when being watched. They're able to wear the right kind of clothes. But who is that person down deep inside? Is the person that people know at the Myerstown Mennonite Church, is that the same person that the wife and the children know at home? That is a very relevant question. Managing our public life might be kind of easy, but managing our private life is much more challenging. We're talking about being an example. Being an example is not just what you are when people are watching. Being an example is who you really are down deep inside. Because down deep inside is going to affect the quality of your influence everywhere you go. So is our private person the same person as the face person? This exemplary man we're talking about tonight that we're looking for needs to be the same throughout. His face, publicly, is the same as his heart down inside of him. It's all the same. His public is the same as his private person himself. He is one person. We talk about people that are two-faced. Sometimes people have three or four or five faces. They're a different person everywhere they go. How do they ever know what they're supposed to be with anywhere they go, actually? That'd be terribly confusing. But if we are one person, truly, totally sincere in our hearts, that this is really who I am, then we're just going to be the same person everywhere we go. And we won't have to wonder, how am I supposed to act in this setting? Because we will know who we really are. There are people who can sing holy, holy, holy at church on Sunday, and on Monday they are swearing. There are people like that. And they're laughing at off-color jokes. This is duplicity. It is hypocrisy. And it is disqualifying for a person in leadership. A while ago, I listened to a sermon from one of the ministers here. I don't even remember who it was. 
Who gave the illustration about buying some old clunker of a car? Did somebody give an illustration about a clunker car? Maybe that was somewhere else I heard this. I thought it was from the Myerstown Mennonite Church. But somebody bought a car. Was that you, Jim? The car looked good on the outside. It might have been somebody else. But the car looked good on the outside. It looked like it was a good deal. But they drove it for a little while, and this thing broke down. Very expensive repairs. Is that you, Steve? (laughs) Anyway, I I remember this illustration. It looked good. It seemed like a really good deal. But it turned out to be a disaster. Breaking down. Expensive repairs. I won't tell you what kind of vehicle I think they were talking about. Because some of you might own one of those. But, uh, you know, just so it looks good on the outside. You know, there's a lot of people that that's the way they live their Christian life. They live just so it looks good on the outside. And I want to tell us tonight, whoever's called to leadership here, it's got to be more than looking good on the outside. It's got to be down deep inside of you. It has to do with who you really are. Be the person of God that He called you to be. Don't just put on an act. It's kind of like Saul. Remember the story of Saul and Samuel? Uh, he went ahead and went, went and sacrificed before Samuel showed up. And Samuel said, The Lord has rejected you. And Saul said, Just make me look good in front of the people. Let's go worship. Just make me look good. And I tell you what, that, that is so shallow and so meaningless. Just make me look good. You know, there's a lot of people that stand in pulpits. There's a lot of people that are on radio. There's a lot of people that are preaching on TV shows, on TV, and probably all over YouTube now that, I mean, I tell you, every, every preacher's on YouTube now, aren't they? So, but just make me look good. I just want to look good. I want everybody to admire me and think I'm a wonderful person. I'll tell you what. Who is your audience? Who is your audience? You know, the only audience that really matters is the one that sits on the throne of heaven. That's the only audience that matters. The rest of them, it's okay when people appreciate what we do. That's okay. It's nice when they say nice things. But you know what? What matters is the approval of the God of heaven. When he looks down on you and he says, there's my servant. That's one that I approve and appreciate. God is your most important audience. Titus 2, verses 6 to 8. We must be the same throughout. Titus 2, 6 to 8. Young men, likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern. Please take note of that word, pattern. A pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And so, what is a pattern? A pattern is something predictable. It is something dependable. It is something reliable. It's something that you can, you can build a house on. A pattern, a blueprint. Multiple people can come into a building setting and look at the blueprint and they know what what needs to be done here because it is consistent, it is dependable, it is reliable. Um, 
And so that is what a pattern does. A pattern shows the right way to do something, or the right, the right um, pattern to follow, the right thing to follow. But a blueprint can give, a, give unrelated people direction in a building project. A leader must consistently do and be the right thing so others can see how the Christian life works. That is being an example. The second word tonight is influence. And I take some of this from Brother Marcus's sermon at Fairview on Sunday. But the, the, the idea of influence is who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who is influencing you? Who is influencing the brother that is going to be called to leadership at Myerstown? If we were to know tonight all of the voices that you have listened to and thought about their message in the last three months, would we be confident and say, you know what, I've been listening to the right people, I have been influenced the right way, or would you have to be a little embarrassed, oh, I was listening to that person, I was agreeing with what they had to say, I was thinking their kinds of thoughts, who is influencing you? 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to look at verses 10 to 17 here. Again, the Apostle Paul writing to his young leader, Timothy, says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now these are people, okay? They are called evil men and they're called seducers. They're going to get worse and worse. And what are they doing? They're deceiving and they're being deceived. And I believe there is deception today. Uh, like there has always been, and maybe even more than there has always been. But verse 14, it says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Who are you listening to? The apostle is saying to Timothy, you have known. You have known me. You've known my doctrine. You've known the way that I live. You know my purpose. You know my faith. And it goes on and lists a number of things there. But we know who is writing. We know to whom it was written. Paul is reminding Timothy of his credentials. This evening, brothers and sisters, and particularly a brother that is going to be called, popular Christian culture is suspect. You should be suspicious of popular Christian culture, okay? Because there's a lot of money to be made. You know what money does to people? 
We know that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? People will twist a message. They will tone down a message. They will adjust a message to be popular so that people will buy and they'll make money, okay? You can write a book that will make people feel better about themselves and make money that way. Many espouse heretical teachings that comfort people in their sins. Many have distorted interpretations and understandings of Scripture. And do we do this? I ask us tonight, do we do this? Do we ask, who is this person? Where do they come from? Where did they get their ideas? Those are questions we should ask ourselves when we hear teaching, when we read books, even when we listen to music. Because sometimes the message that comes through in music is... Have you ever puzzled over a song? Have you done that? You hear a song, you're... Wow, I'm just not... I'm just not sure about that. I don't know. And you think about it. That's that's the way I do. I hear a song. Really? Is that? Is it really so? So you think about it. Well, I can see the point on that. Yeah, I can see a little bit of a point there. But there's other things here. They definitely are not right. Who is this person? What do they stand for? How do they live? What do they believe? What is their agenda? A lot of people have an agenda, by the way. Paul says, in essence, he says, Timothy, you know me. And it is beautiful when a church can know their leaders. That's a beautiful thing. And the result is trust. And the result is love. And the result is appreciation. Because you know your leaders. When I was a boy... I went to the Church of the Brethren. Nothing wrong with the Church of the Brethren. They have a lot of good things going for them. But the church I was part of, sort of, uh, there, had, there was a hierarchy out there somewhere. I don't know who they were. But they sent you the preacher. Okay, we came to the point in, in our church life, we needed a new preacher at the Church of the Brethren. And so we had all these visiting preachers coming in. And I'm like, man, they're good preachers. I hope it's him. Oh, I hope it's this guy. Boy, that was a good message. He's a good man. I want him. Yeah, we want him. Well, they sent us our preacher. And he was on the verge. Nothing wrong with being on the verge of retirement. That's okay. But he was really on the verge of retirement, and he really, he really had a retired way of, of leading the church. <laughs> he was really retired. Um, his favorite saying was, when you point your finger at someone else, there are three pointing back at you. Okay, that was about as deep as he got. Okay? <laughs> so the church did a little bit of this, or a lot of this while he was there, right? Now, I will not name the man, but I'm sure he's long gone by now. But, uh, you know, to know your leaders, to know who they are, to know where they come from, having even come up in the church from a young child, perhaps, what a blessing rather than having somebody sent from somewhere who knows where they come from, who knows what their background is. Who knows he, we don't have, really have any idea who this person is, but he's the one they sent, so he's the one we get. What a sad way to do church. I want you to all praise God tonight that you do church the way you do. Okay? 
Praise God, your leaders come from within the body. What a blessing. So, it's a person you know. And what is influencing you? What is influencing that brother? Your new leader will need to have the right influences in his life. I said Marcus shared a little bit with us on Sunday about who has been influencing the Anabaptists. Who has been influencing the Anabaptists for the last 40 years or so? I will give you his list. And I had, to, I had to thank God that I don't think these people were all that important to me. But uh, he used, first of all, he said Ronald Reagan. He said Ronald Reagan has been very influential to the Anabaptists. Now, I, I, I don't know how you look at that. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, of all people, a totally negative, critical person who even swears on the radio. Uh, apparently there's a lot of Anabaptists that have been influenced by Rush Limbaugh. Then there's James Dobson. He probably did a lot of good for us, but maybe some other things too. And then he used Christian curriculum, such as ACE, Bob Jones, Abeka, some of those curriculums that are produced by other church groups and end up influencing us because we use their materials and invariably, inevitably, their values are going to come through. So who's... And then the last one was social media. Now, I don't, I don't know if you are just a social media person that you just follow this person, everything they say, and that person, all the things they say. But you know what? The Holy Spirit does a better job of influencing you than social media does, okay? The Word of God and the Holy Spirit will do a better job of influencing your thinking than social media will, okay? That's said by a very media-ignorant person. I am media-ignorant, and I'm a happy man for it, Okay? It'll make your life happier to be media ignorant. Okay, you're not, you're not laughing, you're not smiling. Apparently you don't like what I said. But it's the truth. You want to live a happy life? Just forget all that stuff out there. Um, can't be totally ignorant about what's happening in the world. But Anyway, uh, we want the person to be influenced by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And not all those other influences that may tarnish our thinking. The last word I want to look at this evening is the word essence. Essence. And I don't really have any scripture to go with this. But what is the man's Christianity? What is it? Is it, as it is in many settings, is it a list of beliefs? There are many that define Christianity as a list of beliefs. Now, beliefs are important. Doctrine is essential. But the Christian life is immeasurably more than just a list of right beliefs. Okay? The person who is, the persons who are nominated this evening will be filling out doctrinal statements, questionnaires. Okay? All their doctrines, all kinds of questions they have to answer. Okay? It's important that those come through with doctrinal soundness. But is that all Christianity is? It is much, much more than that. What a person believes is important. What you believe will affect your life. It will affect your teaching, what you preach, what you teach, how you live. A list of right beliefs is the substance of many people's Christianity 
Is that good enough for us? Is that good enough for us? The man has good doctrine. You know what? I think that you would say there needs to be more than that. There needs to be more than that. We believe a man must be born again. He must be born again. He must have a personal relationship with the living Christ. We're talking about the essence of his Christianity. He must derive his life from the fountain of living water. He needs to be wholly committed to the Lordship of Jesus. The teachings of the New Testament. He needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost and empowered to victorious living. He needs to have an attitude of, yes, Lord. He needs to be a transformed man. He needs to be a new creature in Christ. He needs to be one who is known for love, humility, and sincerity. He has to be the real deal. And so this evening, brothers and sisters, God bless you as you go through the process of choosing a leader here at Myerstown Mennonite Church. May God direct you and whoever the Lord chooses that he will be honored, respected, appreciated, and supported by the congregation. Let's bow our heads to pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this evening that we could be here together. We thank you for the, the important work that is taking place here this evening. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word to guide us. Thank you that your word is the solid foundation for our belief and our practice and our living. Thank you that you have also given us your Holy Spirit to enable us, to to empower us, to guide us, to lead us in life. I pray, Lord, for the congregation here as they give nominations this evening. I pray that you will give clear direction and, Lord, that you would be very actively involved in the process this evening of choosing a leader for the Myerstown Mennonite Church. We commit this work to you. We recognize you, Jesus, as the Lord of the church, that it's your church. And, Lord, we, we would love to see your church prosper. We would love to see it grow. And so, Lord, use whoever is called in this work to make that happen for the glory and the honor of your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Ted, for that message. Very practical and good stuff for us to to think about. Let's all stand for a change of position. While we're in the nominating room, Philip is going to lead you in singing, and I would encourage you to come, and uh, like I said, it's okay to have a line there at the back, and hopefully it won't take real long, but mind the Lord and be sensitive to what he's asking you to share, if anything, tonight. You may be seated, and those of us who are going to the nominating room can go. Thank you so much for your participation 
I'm always encouraged when we take nominations and use a lot of people participate and it's just a, a blessing. We have one person has sufficient uh, nominations tonight to be considered for ordination and that is Zachary Weaver. Zachary and uh, so pray for Zachary and uh, as we as we plan the ordination and everything just be in prayer for that. Pray for Zachary and Ruthanne as they fill out their paperwork and, and meet with the district ministers next Thursday night. So, thank you so much. And it's nice to, just such a blessing to hear the voice of the congregation and to know that God is at work. Let's stand, to, and Zach and Ruthanne, I want to meet with you in the girls' Sunday school room after the service to uh, go over a few things. Can't find you. Uh, Okay, there they are. I want to meet with you back there just for a few minutes and go over some things and set up a time to meet with you all. Let's stand to be dismissed. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your goodness again, and I just thank you that uh, you are faithful in leading your church. We recognize it is your church. We want your will to be done in our congregation. I thank you tonight for uh, giving us an individual that could serve as as pastor here at Myerstown. I just ask that everything would go well with uh, the examination and just pray for the ordination, pray for the Michael Burkholler, he plans the message, and we just commit that to you and ask that uh, it would be a, a nice ordination. Thank you for each person who came out this evening and nominated. And I just uh, thank you for everybody who came and wished the Lord's blessing. Lord, it is our desire to be faithful as we build your kingdom. Dismiss us with your peace and your blessing. Give us safety as we travel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are dismissed.